carrying on in the uh, book of Colossians, and I want to talk about a, a wonderful truth that is the key for breakthrough in every area of your life, and as in reality is the key for breakthrough and the answer to every issue and problem in the whole of society. So I'm going to talk about the answer for your heart, for your life, a truth that is the absolute key, that if you embrace it and understand it, is the absolute key for breakthrough for you, and it is in fact the key for breakthrough for the whole of society. And that, uh, that truth is that Christ is in you, believer, and Christ is the hope of glory. That is the truth, that is the key for breakthrough for you, and it is the truth that is the key for breakthrough for the whole society, is that in the good news of the gospel, God takes up residence in the human heart. So I want us to pause and just, just ponder that for a moment. If you're a Christian here this morning, the Bible says in uh, Colossians chapter 1 and uh, verse 27, it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The most remarkable truth in the whole universe that the fullness of God has come to live in human hearts. We're going to unpack that, we're going to look at the implications of that, and we're going to look at the hope that that brings. Dare I say, you don't look very convinced. How many of you are Christians here this morning? God, who flung stars into space, who can create by just speaking, who sustains everything by his word, lives in you. This is the truth that if we embrace and understand is the truth for breaking through every issue of the human heart and every issue in society. As we heard in what Rob was saying, we're not striving to become something. We're understanding what has already happened. Christ, the hope of glory, lives inside of us. Christ in you. Christ in me. It's the most remarkable truth. Because it, it pulls down every hierarchical structure in society. Because suddenly it's not the have-nots and the haves. If you've got Christ and I've got Christ, we're both remarkably amazing. <laughs> God dwells in human hearts. God has made his home in the hearts of men and women. And that's why this was a mystery. Not that it was hard to understand. It was just it was hidden before. There were shadows and types and pictures. 
But God's intention was always to take up residence in the hearts of men and women. I'll remove their heart of stone and I'll give them a heart of flesh. That the Old Testament, the creation of the tabernacle and the temple, a holy of holies, in Christ the holy of holies becomes the heart of a man or woman who's come to Christ. That there isn't, in a sense, a special place to go to because you are that special place. Separation from God in Christ is an illusion. In that sense, we're not pressing into something, we're being pressed into Christ in you. And in reality, when we worship and his manifest presence is here, it's really because for 45 minutes we gave sustained attention to what was already true. Yeah. And that is true on the tube, on the train, in the supermarket, in the family, everywhere you go. You experience it here. I think there's something special about corporateness and about the church coming together. But what you experienced here is what is always true for the believer, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You cannot be disconnected from God. You cannot be distanced from God. You cannot be separated from God. Nothing can separate you from God because Christ is in you and Christ is the very fullness of God. So wherever you go and whatever you do, Christ is in you. And I think that's a truth worth exploring, digging into. So we're not striving to become, we're recognising we already are that dwelling place, that home. And when we get hold of Christ is in me, the hope of glory, it starts a brand new way of life. And brand new possibilities. Christ in you means that you have solutions and answers for every single problem and situation that the world faces. And that the people around you face. And that your family might face or your workplace faces or that you face. Because you have Christ in you. It's wonderful to see in the Gospels how Jesus had an answer, had a solution, had a breakthrough for everything that was presented to him. So if the sick would come to him, Jesus would heal the sick. To the father, remember the father whose child was tormented? He said, if you can, if you can, and Jesus says all things are possible for him who believes. Jesus had a solution to every sickness and every disease that he was confronted with. If leprosy would impact him and come near him, he had a solution and he could heal. If someone came to him and said, my servant is sick, Jesus could release 
Just a word and it would bring breakthrough. When Lazarus was in the grave, he could simply say, Lazarus, come forth. And his words would have creative impact and power to bring a breakthrough. When Jesus was faced with financial issues and they questioned him and tried to trick him about taxes, Jesus just could get a coin out of a fish's mouth. When Jesus was in the, in, asleep in the boat and he was woken up, he had an answer to um, natural issues of storms and waves and could just say to the waves, peace be still. Jesus, when he was faced with an issue around food and there wasn't enough food to feed everybody, Jesus had the solution that he could multiply fish and multiply bread. Jesus, when he was confronted with any need, problem or question, there is not one moment in the Bible where it says he looked at them and says, I don't know what to do. There isn't one. There's no moment when God is perplexed, when God is frustrated, when God looks at something and says, I just don't know what to do about that. In Acts 10.38, we read that this is Jesus' mandate. He says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He went around doing good, he healed the sick, he set the prisoner free, because God was with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now where does Jesus Christ of Nazareth live? By the Holy Spirit. Christ in you. Who wants to get hold of this? That Jesus in all the Gospels never looks and doesn't know what to do and always has a breakthrough on every single thing that impacts humanity. And now he's taking up residence in the hearts of men and women by grace through faith as a pure gift. And there's something about connecting the dots and connecting to this truth. Paul says, yeah, I'm, he, he says he worked hard and he, he, he wants to present everyone mature in Christ. He toils and he struggles with all his energy that works in him, he says later on, so that we might bloom in Christ, flourish in Christ, and show Christ off. So it's true that we go from glory to glory and faith to faith, and there is maturity, because Paul is saying, I'm struggling with everything that God has placed in me. He is, is as it were, that God, that Paul said, I'm locking horns with this because I want everybody to know who they are. Mm-hmm. So he toils and wrestles and struggles and grapples with, with all the energy that God provides so that he might present every man and every woman mature in Christ, that every man and woman might know who they really, really are, who they are already, that Christ is in them. So that they might flourish and bloom and shine and show that to the world. And shine out into a dark world and be salt that brings flavour to society and light. So, 
If the enemy has a strategy, it is to hide from men and women who they really already are. And legalism really is that treadmill that we heard earlier on of works to strive to become something that we receive already as a gift. And that the calling on the believer is to explore what are the implications and ramifications and the significance of Christ is in me. He's made his home in me. So we have the fullness of God living in us. Holy Spirit is God. He's not just an atmosphere of God or a feeling of God. He is God. And so the very key for breakthrough is the recognition that God is in us and with us. That wherever you go and whatever you do, Christ is in you. Now sometimes we've spoken about that as the um, motivation to uh, not sin, that Christ is in you. It's true, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul uses that when he's talking to people about the avoidance of sexual sin. He says, actually, I'm not just going to lay a law to you and rules and regulations, I'm going to tell you it's actually you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a sacred, holy place. There's also the other side of that, which is the implications and breakthrough that can come because Christ is in us. Sometimes we can focus, and I've done that, focus on we can do nothing without him, which is true, but we're not without him. Christ is in us. So it's on one hand, yeah, I'm recognising that I, without him I can do nothing, but I'm not without him. Christ is in me. And so there's this whole thing for the believer to explore, which is, what does that mean that Christ is in me? That God wants to demonstrate his fullness that's in you, through you. That he wants to get out. I think Bill Johnson said that the Holy Spirit is locked up in the hearts of unbelieving believers and he wants to get out. He wants to get out and do something. That God, the head, wants to work through his body. Let me out! Let me do something! So we carry solutions because we are God's address on the earth. Romans says, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. We are God's address. The Christian is God's address in the earth. If you want to know about hope, knock on God's address. Knock on his home. If you want to know about breakthrough, knock on God's address. Knock on his home. Knock on the believer's heart. Knock on the church's heart. So the church is the hope of the world. 
We are responsible for this area. As believers, we're responsible. Every believer who lives in this area, lives in their location, we are responsible. And I love the provision of social policy that government provides. I love what has been established in this nation. The welfare state. Education. Hospitals. All these things are are wonderful provisions of common grace, of God's grace But we are responsible still. Christ is in us. And so when we look at issues like poverty and social injustice, when we look at life expectancy issues that changes from location to location, when we look at issues of racial harmony, when we look at issues of gang culture, when we look at issues of of crime, when we look at issues of fatherlessness, when we look at issues of addiction, when we look at all these things, Christ in us is the solution to them. It's not just for me and you and having a more peaceful life. It is that. It is about our own joy levels, our own hope levels, our own sense of well-being. Christ in us is the answer to every single personal need we have, but it's bigger and bolder and greater and more significant than that. That Christ in us is the solution to the world. (coughs) That's why legalism is such an abhorrent and awful and grotesque thing, because it's striving on a treadmill to become what we already are. And for legalism and the keeping of rules and the idea that if we keep them, he'll love us, and if we don't, he won't, distracts us from the fact he loves us, and we're in Christ, and Christ is in us. Amen. It's like the hamster on the wheel, running, 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 and going nowhere, apart from getting tired. Mm. Christ in us. Yeah. You might be thinking, but this is huge. Well, it is. <clears throat> five hundred turns up to five hundred turn up when Jesus is resurrected. It says that some doubted. So five hundred witness the resurrection. One hundred and twenty turn up at the first meeting. <coughs> Holy Spirit comes. Timid Peter gets filled and becomes this wild, bold preacher guy. Later, healing the guy at the gate, beautiful. The gospel grows. God's adding to the number daily. But it started off as this little group. This little group. But they do impact the known world. That 120, that 12 were with Jesus, Judas betrays Jesus, the 11, they add another. The 120, and in Paul, he gets converted on the road to Damascus. That generation, to John in Patmos, in prison, they, they turned the known world upside down. In, in Acts, you read about, I think it's 12 people get baptised in the Holy Spirit. They turned Ephesus upside down. Yeah. There was a riot in Ephesus because the whole economy that was built around idol worship was being turned upside down by believers. This is a generation. 
and of of his increase in government and peace there shall be no end it means his kingdom has been increasing for 2,000 years they didn't understand those early believers apart from the fact they'd been with Jesus that's the only way they could understand them these are the ones, the unlearned ones ordinary men ordinary women who had been around Jesus turned the world upside down in a generation We're not the only Christians in the, in the area, but even if we were, there's enough Holy Spirit life in here to turn Plumstead upside down. <laughs> but the issue is, it's locked up in unbelief because we don't know who we are. But if we got it, understood it, embraced it, believed it, there's not a family that wouldn't be changed. There's not a workplace that wouldn't be impacted. There's not a supermarket that wouldn't be the site of the next miracle. Every train station, every bus stop, every office, everywhere you went would be impacted by Christ as in me. I've got solutions. I've got answers. And so we mustn't, on one hand, be either distracted by how big it all is. Because then we can become so overwhelmed by even numbers like 130,000 just live around here. Thousands in the city, thousands around us. We have to be like Nehemiah said, focus on the wall in front of you. Yes. We've got to restore the whole of Jerusalem, Nehemiah. We've got all the walls to do, and then we've got the gates to do, and it's all rubble, and it's all burnt down, and it's so chaotic and awful. I can't do this. No, focus on the wall in front of you. So all you focus on is the wall in front of you. Where has God placed you right now? What's the broken wall in front of you right now? Not the whole poverty issue of the whole of society, but what's what's the problem? What's the issue? What needs the breakthrough right now? That's all you're responsible for. Is Christ in me, the hope of glory, has solutions to what's in front of me right now. I know the whole wall is broken down. God's not asking us to do anything more than focus on what's in front. What would it mean for me to bring hope? What would it bring for mean for me to bring light? What would it mean for me to bring reconciliation and restitution? What would it mean for me to bring creative wisdom in front of the thing in front of me right now? Maybe creative wisdom will be coming up with a new structure, a new system, a new way of working. Christ in me. I'm drawing on Christ for my company. I'm drawing on Christ for my patience. I'm drawing on Christ for wisdom in the classroom. I'm drawing on Christ, becoming more aware of who Christ is in me as I'm walking around. We 
I'm going to ask to stand just uh, in time with God.